Good morning, Christ Central. My name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here at this church, and it is my joy to bring the Word of God today. We are continuing in our series in Mark, and today we'll read from Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 32. You can turn there with me in your Bible. It'll also be projected on the screen for you. Mark chapter 4, verse 26 to 32. And he, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. This is God's word. Let me pray for us. Let's ask the Lord for his help. Lord, we are grateful for your presence. We are grateful for your Holy Spirit who works in and through the reading and preaching of your word. We pray now for uh, our hearts as we hear from you, as we hear from Jesus' words. Would you speak to us and remind us of your great love, your great care for your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In our passage today, Jesus gives us two parables that tell us how the kingdom of God operates. The parable of the growing seed and the parable of the mustard seed both give us some insight on how God rules and how God reigns in our lives. And in different seasons of life, you may have asked yourself the question, where is God right now? Or in particular situations, you might wonder, What could God possibly be doing with this? Or what could God possibly be doing with this? And in these parables from Jesus, we're reminded that in the midst of questions like these, what we expect from God isn't always the way God actually works and moves in our lives. Just think about this. When you hear the word kingdom, and especially the kingdom of God, what's the first thing you think of? What are some images you think of? You might expect Jesus to say that the kingdom of God is like a conquering army or a a, a raging flood. But that's not what Jesus says. Instead, he says it's like farming and the planting of seeds. And I think it's safe to say that for most of us, that wouldn't be the first image we think of when we hear the kingdom of God. Jesus is correcting us through these parables. He's reminding us and teaching us that the way God rules and reigns in our lives and in this world is not always the way we expect. That the kingdom of God in many ways is an inconspicuous kingdom. So today as we explore our two parables, we'll also be exploring two aspects of how God rules and reigns in our lives. And the first thing we see is that God works Through behind-the-scenes processes. He works through behind-the-scenes processes. In verses 26 to 28 of our text, Jesus tells us that the 
kingdom of God is like a farmer, basically, who scatters seed. And he goes to sleep night and day. He sleeps and he rises. And the seeds grow up all by itself. And it even says he knows not how. He doesn't even fully understand what's happening. And Jesus goes on to say, the earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And in any sort of endeavor, there's always much happening behind the scenes. And of course, this is certainly true for the work that God also does in our lives. The growth and movement happen apart from what the farmer does. He's actually just sleeping. And we see that this behind-the-scenes work that God does is also a process. Jesus goes out of his way to mention that, uh, to, to note each of these stages of the crop's life. The blade, the ear, the full grain. And, he, and we recognize through this parable that the results don't happen overnight. There's a sense in which the farmer sleeps and rises, sleeps and rises, day and night, day and night. And of course, God can certainly do all these things instantly if he wants to, right? If he wanted to, God could do all sorts of amazing things just in an instant. He certainly has the power to do that. He certainly has the ability to do that. We can all understand that because he's God. And yet we see through this parable and through our lives and throughout other places in the scriptures that God prefers processes. He prefers to work through a process. We have to assume there's a reason he prefers that. That there is more beauty. That there is more joy. There is more pleasure to be had for him and for you and me. Because it's through a process. Maybe you've asked yourself, why can't God just take me up to heaven right now? Why can't it just all be done right now? Why can't he just make me perfect and holy just right now? Why can't he fix this situation? Why can't he fix this world right now? We have to believe that in God's wisdom, it is better. And in his mind, in his wisdom, in his ways, that it is better. That it's not right now. And that it's a process. And knowing that the behind-the-scenes work of God is a process actually leads us to patience. It causes us to have patience. In James chapter 5, verse 7, James says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. And James uses that same farming imagery. And he uses it to say, we need patience. He even adds a whole other layer to that process by talking about the rain, the early rains and the late rains. And of course, nobody likes waiting. Right? We all know this. We all know that we live in an instant gratification culture. I still remember this one time I once pretty much ruined a fancy dinner uh, during Priscilla and my honeymoon because everything just took so long and I was just getting so impatient and basically I got in such a bad mood the whole night was ruined patience is hard waiting is hard especially now in, in this day and age and we do tend to apply our instant gratification desires to our spirituality as well does this sound familiar to you? 
Maybe you've said this. Maybe you've heard this. You know, I, I prayed, but it just didn't work for me. Or uh, I read the Bible, but I didn't get anything out of it. I went to church, but I didn't feel anything. If we know God works through processes, then we need patience to help balance those feelings of it didn't work. God works through processes. We need to actually commit time and energy and allow that that process to come into play. And even in our struggles, be it with particular sins or be it with particular circumstances, we need patience because it is a process. I love what uh, the counselor, the Christian counselor, the late David Pallison once said, or he said this several times in his life, I'm sure. He said, the marker is not distance or speed. It's direction. In other words, he's saying, what really matters is not so much the distance, how far you've gone, or the speed, how quickly you got there, but the direction. What direction are you facing? It is so easy to get frustrated and discouraged when we're always measuring ourselves. It's easy to do that. We're always measuring ourselves, measuring our success, measuring uh, where we're at in life, and comparing ourselves to other people. But instead of looking at how quickly or uh, even how far and how much you've grown and are excelling and are succeeding and achieving, simply ask yourself, am I facing the right direction? Zoom out a little bit and ask yourself, Am I I in a Godward trajectory? As you zoom out, look back and see how far the Lord has brought you and look forward and see, where am I going? Where is my face directed? Because what matters is, are you facing God? Are you facing Christ? Are you facing and and headed towards a gospel-centered trajectory? Because that's what matters. That's, that, that's what it means to be in the process of the kingdom work that God does. It is totally okay to be a work in progress. As long as you are in progress. Because that's what really matters. That's how God operates in his kingdom. Just think about the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5. I think we all want to grow in these wonderful fruits of the spirit that, that we often see listed. And I love what one of my seminary professors once encouraged us with. He said, remember that it's not called the work of the Spirit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit for a reason. And this means that the Holy Spirit produces this in you. And because it's fruit, it doesn't grow instantly. It grows through a process. It grows gradually. You're not going to have it all, a fully formed fruit right away. And you're not going to have all the fruit right away. And of course, just as it's so easy to get frustrated and impatient with ourselves and how we're doing in our spiritual lives and our practical lives, it can also be so easy to get frustrated and impatient with other people also. And when we know that this is how God rules and reigns through a process and it allows for patience in our lives, it also allows us and causes us and calls us to be patient with others as well. 
I love this one anecdote from another pastor, a very well-known pastor, where he talks about how these older Christians, these people who had been Christians for a long time, had visited his church, and his church was made up mainly of very new and young believers. And after the service, these older Christians came up to him, came up to the pastor and said, Pastor, do you have, did you see some of the women in the congregation? They were kind of dressed inappropriately. And I also noticed that some of your members were uh, smoking cigarettes outside after the service. And the pastor responded by saying, well, you know, you really should have seen the way they were dressing before they came to Christ. And they were just smoking cigarettes outside. You should have seen what they were smoking before Jesus entered into their lives. And of course, this is not to disparage the value and importance of modesty or the health benefits of not smoking. But of course, the pastor's point was, these people were on, were, were on that journey. They were in that process. And God was already bringing them. And they had, God had brought them to this point. And it's okay that they're not on the same place that other people are at. Because they're in a process that God is doing and working in them. What matters more than where they were at in the journey is the fact that they were simply on the journey because God works through a process. That's how his kingdom operates, the behind-the-scenes work. So we know that, and that leads us to patience, but also knowing that the -the behind-the-scenes work of God is not immediately visible leads us to trust. It leads us to trust. Faith is trusting that God is working and moving and growing us and growing uh, his kingdom even when we don't see it. That's what faith is. It allows us to trust even when we can't see. There are many of us who want to see everything. There are many of us who want answers for everything. And that is not a bad thing at all, at all. It it is important for all believers and all Christians and all people really to be searching and seeking answers and seeking the truth. We all need to be doing that. But at some point, we really need faith because we're not going to be able to see everything. We're not going to be able to answer everything. Now, please don't get me wrong. Faith is not blind. Christianity never tells you Believe even if you can't see anything. Believe even if nothing makes sense whatsoever. Christianity will never tell you that. There's plenty in Christianity of uh, things of evidence. There's plenty of evidence. There's plenty of logic. There's plenty of answers in Christianity, especially to the deepest longings and questions of our souls. But there will be questions for which we shouldn't pretend to have the answers. And faith gives you trust when that time does come, and it will come. When it's hard to see the whys and the hows of what's going on. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. When we ask ourselves, why did this happen to me? When we ask ourselves, why does it have to be like this? Things are so broken. Things are so not ideal. Why does it have to be like this? You may not find out an answer for many years. 
You may not find out an answer until you're in heaven. After all, our own parable tells us that when the work that God does behind the scenes, underneath the soil, the farmer does not even know. A pastor named John Anwichekwa uh, from Atlanta, he recently shared a great illustration uh, on social media where he talked about how he loves tuna sandwiches, but he hates mayo. And for the longest time, he didn't know that mayo, mayonnaise, was such an important ingredient in tuna sandwiches. And he saw his wife uh, making tuna sandwiches and saw that she was taking this big old uh, glop of mayo and, and putting it into the bowl. And he was like, what are you doing? You know, I hate mayo. And she had to educate him and say, well, mayo is a big part of what makes tuna sandwiches good. And it was kind of a mind-blowing thing for him. And he goes on to say, I often do the same thing to God as he's in the kitchen, mixing up the ingredients of life events. I stand over his shoulder, nitpicking the things he throws into the bowl. And then he even goes on to mention very hard things like uh, the death of his brother and struggling with infertility. But he concludes by saying, let him cook, y'all. Wait till he's finished before you evaluate his work. He's not finished with you yet. We, not, we may not be able to understand why God uses certain ingredients. And we may even hate some of those ingredients. But God is doing his kingdom work through these behind-the-scenes processes, even when it is inconspicuous, even when we can't quite see and understand exactly how it's all working out. God is doing that good work, and we will one day see that finished product. Please rest assured, brothers and sisters, that the things happening underground in the soil will eventually grow and rise and become visible. All things will eventually come to light. That's true about the good work that God is doing, the kingdom behind the scenes work that God is doing. And it's also true about the bad of hidden sin and lies. Nothing remains hidden forever. All things will eventually come out into the light. In our own passage in verse 29, it says, When the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And that imagery of the sickle and the harvest are echoes of imagery about the, the last days, the judgment of God coming upon the whole world, the end times. And God will bring to light in the last days and even many things before the last days, all that he's doing and all that he has done. And God will carry all things to completion. There is an end point. And even though God's kingdom work here requires patience and trust for you and for me, he finishes his work in due time. That growth happens in due time. The process gets finished in due time. And this is such a great encouragement for all who belong to him. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Philippians 1.6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God will finish what he starts. And even when it's hard to see, we can be patient and trusting that he is working. He is working through these processes.
So that's the first aspect we see of how God rules and reigns in our lives. And then secondly, through the parable of the mustard seed, we also see that he works through seemingly small, ordinary means. He works through seemingly small, ordinary means. In Mark 4, 31 to 32 of our passage, it says, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Here we see that God takes seemingly small and ordinary things and, in, and he uses them to bring about great and extraordinary impact in the long run for the sake of his kingdom, for the sake of the work that he is doing ultimately. Please do not underestimate what God can do through the small things. If you feel small and ordinary, if you feel like your contributions, your acts of love and care and service for others are small and ordinary, please know that God precisely uses those things for his kingdom work. As you serve one another in the church, in your workplace, in your family, as you reach out to a friend whom you haven't spoken to in a while, as teachers, as you teach your students, as parents, as you raise your children and try to model a, a, a gospel-centered life and teach them and raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, as you do all the, these little things that add up, please recognize even if it's not impressive, even if it's not some kind of huge deal, all these little things add up in the kingdom of God to something extraordinary. Sometimes we're trained by our culture, I think, uh, be it our pop culture or even Christian, Christianese culture. We're trained to, to always look for the big and impressive things and we're made to feel like that's where God works. Those are the places, in those big and impressive places, in those big and impressive moments. That's where God is doing all his work. You know, when, when a bunch of pastors come together uh, for certain events, uh, it's very common to ask each other about the size of your church. And that's a fair question. It's a fair question because it's a practical question and it allows, uh, allows people to see, kind of to understand what your ministry is like. But I do sometimes wonder what we do with that information in our hearts, how we process that information, how we feel when we give and even hear the answers to the question of uh, the size of your church. Because bigger is not always better. We have to understand that bigger is not always better. And small certainly does not mean that God cannot use it. In fact, our parable tells us that's precisely what God uses, the small little mustard seed. Now, you might be wondering, but pastor, didn't you say that, uh, or rather, doesn't Jesus say that the small, unimpressive mustard seed does become a great big bush with large branches, bigger than all the other plants? And that is true. Of course, that is what Jesus said in our parable today. But we do need to train our hearts and our eyes and perhaps do a little bit of untraining as well, especially in light of both of these parables that we just looked at. 
And we have to train our hearts and our eyes to, to remember and consider that when you look at something, when you look at yourself, when you look at your church, when you look at other people, it may just be that you don't see that great big plant yet. Maybe you won't see that great big plant even in your lifetime. Maybe all you see for now is just this tiny little seed or something in between. But we can trust that God is doing his behind the scenes kingdom work and using every little tiny little mustard seed to bring about that great big plant of his kingdom that great big plant of the gospel impacting and transforming lives and hearts and for the good of all those around them. And knowing that God works through seemingly small and ordinary means leads to faithfulness in the small things. If we know that this is what God does, if we know that this is how God works, if we know that this is what God uses in his kingdom, then it will make us want to be faithful in the small things. And I know that the word faithful seems kind of like a big daunting word, but I just mean, when I say faithful, I just mean consistent and persistent. That when it comes to the small things, the small acts of love and service, the small acts of spiritual disciplines, the small acts of self-care and caring for others, the routines even that are mundane but so important that we can be consistent and persistent with these things because we know precisely God uses these things. As the saying goes, everyone wants a revolution, but no one wants to do the dishes. Everyone wants some big thing and they want these big things to be part of their lives. But no one wants to do the small, mundane, ordinary, seemingly unimpressive things. And yet God tells us, Jesus tells us through this parable today, that's precisely what he uses. That's precisely what the behind the scenes work of God uses. Tish Harrison Warren, uh, in her book, Liturgy of the Ordinary, talks about how God works through these seemingly forgettable unimpressive routines uh, and, and she uses this analogy of eating leftovers for dinner and she writes there are a few very good meals I remember and there are a few truly terrible meals I remember but most of the meals I've eaten thousands upon thousands were utterly unremarkable if you ask me what I ate for lunch three weeks ago on Monday I could not tell you and yet that average forgettable meal nourished me thousands of forgotten meals have brought me to today they've sustained my life they were my daily bread thousands of forgettable meals thousands of mustard seeds in your personal life in your work in your family in, in, in what you do on, from Monday to Friday, please don't forget that God can use those small acts of love and service, those small acts of faithfulness for his kingdom work to bring about good, to reflect his goodness and glory and holiness and to reflect the gospel. In your spiritual life, as you seek to grow as you seek to grow closer to God in your relationship with him, 
as you seek to trust and rest in the gospel more and more, please don't underestimate those small, unimpressive meals. Those, those times of reading the Bible, those times of getting on your knees in prayer, those, those worship services, those small group meetings, those conversations, those text messages that, that, where you're just trying to encourage somebody. Please don't underestimate them. God can use those things to feed, sustain, nourish, and grow you and the people around you. God works through all these ways that we see in these parables. God works through behind-the-scenes processes. And isn't that so true about our own personal stories of salvation, how we got saved, how we came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Isn't that true for so many of us? where it wasn't just this boom, instant transformation, overnight change, but it was a process and it was a behind the scenes process. And even for those of you where your, your conversion to Christianity was very quick and instantaneous almost, we have to recognize there was still so much going on behind the scenes that the Holy Spirit was moving and working and growing you behind the scenes even through the prayers of the people who love and care for you, prayers that you may not even have realized people were praying for you, and through countless sermons and Bible studies and countless acts of love, simple and unimpressive as they were, they all reflected the love of God for you, and that led to you coming to know Jesus. That's often how it works. Even for those with dramatic conversion stories, there was so much God was doing underneath the soil. And God works through seemingly small and ordinary means as the parable of the mustard seed shows us. And of course, we have to remember Jesus himself had such humble beginnings. He was from a poor, unimportant family, a carpenter. And even after his ministry exploded onto the scene, people would leave him, people would oppose him. And of course, the most unexpected thing, a humiliating thing, he would be executed on a cross. And everyone probably wondered, what in the world is God doing here with this? And yet, through that, God would make the biggest impact in human history. Christ would rise from the grave. Our sins would be forgiven. And we would be given new life because of Jesus. So that the kingdom work of God the behind-the-scenes work of God, his rule and his reign could begin in you and me. Brothers and sisters, as we recognize that this is how God works, this is how God moves, this is how God grows you, would it cause us to be all the more patient, all the more trusting, and all the more faithful in the small things as he does his work in you as he does that good work, that behind-the-scenes work of bringing about his kingdom work, his rule and his reign in you. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful for your gracious initiation of your love and relationship with us, that we don't even know what's going on most of the time, and yet you reach out to us. You, you plant the seed, you water the seed, you make it grow in your people whom you love, in your children whom you love. God, I pray that as we're reminded through these parables 
that that's precisely how you work, would it encourage us? Would it strengthen us? Would it cause us to rest in Christ all the more? To trust him, to be patient because we know he loves us, because we know he cares about us, he's faithful to us. And in turn, would that make us faithful, consistent and persistent in even all the small things that you have us to do? Lord, we ask for your help for Christ Central. Continue to lead us, guide us. Keep our eyes fixed on the fact that you will carry us on to completion. Oh, what a joy and comfort it is to know that. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.